This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. All right, welcome to the Waterfowl Wednesday edition full-scale outdoor podcast. If you're a bird nerd, a duck dork, a goose geek, you've come to the right place. Let's get into it. Practicing your intros here. I figured I'd try something a little bit different there. And I've been listening to the Steve O podcast, and he always says, Let's get into it. With his fucked up voice. That's a good podcast. Yeah, probably is. He's actually pretty entertaining. I've heard him on Rogan. It's He's pretty. He, well, dude's got some stories, man. Yeah, he's got some stories, and then he really gets his guests to like open up about their lives and stuff. It's kind of cool. I was just listening to. Uh, like one of his newest ones, he's got Violent J from the Insane Clown Posse on there. Nice. Which I've never, I've never been an ICP guy, but that dude's got some stories. Same, yeah, I can imagine. They look like they got let's some stories. Switch. I never thought I'd say this, but let's switch gears from ICP into waterfowl <laughs> now, though. <laughs> I mean, today was well, uh, epic. That's what uh, that's what I've heard. Um, before we get into the epicness of today which is wednesday september 6th or is it five six it's the sixth today uh uh and the humongous molt migration and maybe we can talk a little bit about molt migrant hunting techniques and tactics um i do have a cool band story Ooh, let's lead with the band story or do we want to tease that for the no you better tell it now because you're on limited time here yeah, I am sitting here right now. I just helped uh, Carter Klatt, who was on last week's episode. I just helped him set up a duck 
spread, and I'm sitting here about three quarters of a mile away, just kind of watching. I've seen him kill five ducks in like nice. the last ten minutes, which means he has forty-three ducks to go. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I he he should get he should get it. Wow. He should get it pretty quick, actually. Like I'm expecting to. Uh, interrupt the podcast a little bit with uh, updates on how many ducks he's got left um but anyway so i my band story is um i'm hunting up here in saskatchewan i got a group of six guys out with me and we're hunting primarily geese now we've got a good push since like september 1st every day we're getting uh well actually it was september 1st september 4th and september 5th yesterday we just have seen big pushes of geese and this happened yesterday so I'm hunting, um, I'm hunting a pea field. It's been having a lot of birds in it and a handful of ducks and a bunch of geese. And we're also hunting, uh, some migrants a little bit too. And I, I'm calling it this flock and we get about a dozen birds to give it up nice right in front of the A-frames. And we got an, a Southeast wind and I've got the A-frame pointed straight West. It's a morning hunt. The sun is at our back. So these geese are like, you know, back flapping right out front and, I'm not expecting to see a leg band in, but I'm always looking, right? Right. Like, but last last year, I think we shot one honker band, and we shot a lot of honkers. So they they are few and far between. I mean, we I mean the sun is right at our back, and I'm watching this goose backflap, and I see bang bang, you know, just just glinting me in the eyes. I'm like, that couldn't be, could it? And it kind of like lifted back up, and then went to set back down. Sure shit. I'm like, dude. Leg band! I call her out. I was like, leg band, leg band, leg band, kill it, kill it, kill it. So anyways, they come up. They start wrenching geese out of the flock. This one almost gets away. It's like doing that 50 yards, like, oh, no. know, like real close close to the stubble. Finally, a couple more shots ring up. Boom, boom. It comes down. Yes! And uh, Brian, the owner of the company, is hunting with us. He goes, there's no way that had a leg band. I'm like, Brian, I, I know what I see. <laughs> you know? And it was sitting there was sitting there on its back kicking and you could see it doing that and i was like i told you he's like it does have a leg band he goes i don't know how you see those nick he's like all i can see you know i, I get too excited to look for them because i'm obsessed and, uh, with them that's why <laughs> yeah i'm obsessed with leg bands so uh i uh i run out there i pick it up i got bruno out there working with me he's picking up birds and i'm picking up other birds that have been wrenched out of this flock. So the one I go and pick up, it's a stainless steel band. Oh, it's got cool. a phone number on it. Yeah, it's a, like one of those skinnier ones. And uh, it's got a phone number written on it and a website on the bottom. And so I think automatically um, one little tidbit about leg bands is that they have they stopped putting um, the phone number on leg bands in 2018. So I say, like, well, it's at least four years old. And then we're picking up the other birds. And lo and behold, I pick up a second honker that has a regular aluminum leg band on it. And I'm like, no way, dude. I'm just freaking out. Like, two out of the same flock? Like, dude, we only got one last All year. season, yeah. <laughs> All season. So anyways, um, that stainless steel leg band, it was two years old. So it was uh, from 2021. So... That tells me that even though they have some of these older leg bands um, sitting around that have the phone number on it, they're not just throwing them in the trash. You know, like if you call the phone number, it just tells you to go to the website. And uh, so that was a two-year-old goose, and that was from right around Salt Lake City, Utah. Hmm. 
Wow. Woo. Woo. I wasn't expecting and, um, that. <laughs> and well, actually, I, I kind of was because the uh, the we, I think we did get two honker bands last year. They were both from Utah. Oh, and okay. one of them was All a right. famous. Well, Huh. So I was like, yeah, my, probably a Utah band, and then that aluminum one was old, like old, old. That had a phone number on it, but it had a lot of wear on it as well. I was like, that one's, I'm, my guess was eight years old. That one was 11 years old, and it was from Yakima County, Washington. Dang, that's so cool. And it's kind of cool. Like, I, mean, I got, love those band you know, stories. Like, You might have to write that one into Wildfowl for their band stories page. God, that actually is not a bad idea. I got a nice picture of me with them, but like, you know, you're hunting in such a low band environment out here that, I mean, just for me to even see one and then shoot it was, or I didn't shoot it, obviously. I'm not even holding a gun. Um, but just to, to get it and then to, to go and pick up a second one, I was just like, when I picked up the second one, I was like, no fucking way, That's dude. So awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. And, um, yeah, and then for them to be banded, you know, like, and guys in the uh, spread were saying, like, those two must have been banded together. Like, looking at the two of them, like, I mean, obviously with the stainless steel band, it's a lot harder to tell the age on them, Mm -hmm. like, or to make any sort of accurate guesses. You know, it's like an aluminum band. You can kind of tell, like, it's either like, oh, it's brand new to two years old, or it's three years to six years, or it's like seven to nine, you know, you're between eight and 11, you know, like. There's little stages of wear um, that are kind of consistent, at least. But with those loom- or stainless, you never know. So the guys were saying, like, ah, they had to have been banded together. I'm like, don't speak too fast. You don't know, you know. And sure enough, Washington, 11 years ago, and Utah, two years ago, hanging out in the same group of geese up here in Saskatchewan. And um, That's crazy how they mix like I'm- that. But I wouldn't have guessed they were banded together just because one was stainless and one was aluminum. That doesn't seem to... Right. Jive. Yeah, I was like, yeah, immediately I was like, yeah, I don't know about that, guys. But, <laughs> yeah. um, kind of an obvious so hint. We, so far, we've been having an absolutely fantastic season season up here. I would say um, uh, we're doing really, really well on ducks. Um, it does look like there was a great hatch. Good. And I have heard through the grapevine that other people around Saskatchewan are also having really good banger duck season so far here we are you know six days into the season so good news i mean we should have it i mean by by um anecdotal reports it does seem like there was a good hatch and duck numbers are good last year it was um last year it seemed like we were kind of like struggling to find ducks because one one element we're dealing with in saskatchewan is that you cannot hunt dark geese after 12 p.m so all of our afternoon hunts have to be either for ducks or snow geese. Uh, so, okay. and right now we don't have very many snow geese down yet. So like, I remember this time period last year, like when we couldn't run afternoon snow goose hunts, it was like, yo, we need ducks for this afternoon. And now it's like, we need geese because these clients are shooting their ducks in the morning. And uh, then, they're, then they have to sit around in the lodge the whole rest of the day, you know, because they can't go hunt dark geese at night. Some of them are getting a little bored about it. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Hunt- sorry, the hunting sorry, is so epic. <laughs> on a different hunt this year, or uh, on a different hunt, the hunt previous to my leg band hunt, these guys um, had the day before this day gone out and they shot their double limit. They shot their ducks and their geese 
in the morning, and they were bored as shit around the lodge. Just some groups want to drink beer and play cards, and other groups don't. Well, this group was definitely the ones that didn't. So we went out, and we found a pure dark goose feed for them, and I took them out hunting on it. And, um, you know, when you're hunting Saskatchewan, you just bring two spinners no matter what. So I set them up. And um, we're waiting on these dark geese, waiting on these dark geese, and we shot a duck limit. <laughs> like it was like it was like instantaneous. That's funny. It was like, yeah, and they're like, and they even had a period where they stopped shooting. They're like, hey, we want something to do this afternoon. Stop shooting ducks, guys. And then like one flock would come in and just eat it. I'm like, all right, well, if you guys just want to take pictures, just take pictures of them. And then another flock would just come in and eat it and then another <laughs> flock would come in and eat it and they're like we got enough videos fuck it let's start shooting <laughs> i mean so, that's a good um, problem anyway. to have getting bored because the hunting was so epic in the morning i mean I... exactly and you never know what's going to happen in the afternoon yes we do have yeah. a lot of ducks yes the hunting has been consistently good but that doesn't mean it's going to be good today we actually did just uh, have our first slow hunting day uh of the season i didn't run the hunt but dylan did today and his birds switched speeds on him and uh yeah we got our first slow day where i think we only got six well, apparently all of canada only emptied, got six. emptied into minnesota today yeah let's talk about that now dude like um uh even though i'm up here we're just absolutely having a fantastic season we're putting up crazy numbers um I could not help just being green with jealousy over the molt migrant videos and pictures and hunts that were going down across the region in the lower 48 today. It it just looked epic. Indicative of like, uh, it reminds me of, you remember we had an episode that we talked about this? It was probably around like a September 4th or a September yeah, 5th. Yeah, it was, it was opening 20, weekend a few years ago. Was back. that 2021? Yeah, I think that's right. About two years ago. It had to be just, because I was in, yeah. It was just you perfect. We've been doing this podcast that long. I know, we've been doing it for a hot minute. Uh, anyways, um, so tell I did not see any snaps or hear any stories from you, and I would like to hear them now. Go. Okay, well, um, so <laughs> I told the boss, I'm like, yep, I'm going to, you know, bird flu. I'm like, I'll come in later. I got to hunt this, this front because I just – obviously I'd want to hunt it, but really being here in my first time on, you know, this area of the state with the first real good chance of, of a mag push, it's like, I got to be out there for just, just for the podcast if nothing else, you know? So I did, I loaded up the bass boat with my floaters and, uh, headed out there. It was, a, wind was blowing pretty good. So I was like, well, are they, you know, but I'm like, they have to, cause it, like I looked at the forecast and it's today was North wind tomorrow. It's basically like light and variable or out of the Northeast. And then stop, stop. I'm going to stop you for a second. Did you say bass boat? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's just like, I'm imagining a red <laughs> glitter, <laughs> blue, blue glitter. Like it's you, blue, blue glitter. It's blue glitter. <laughs> blue glitter. Dark, ba bass dark boat. Blue glitter. And did so, yeah, you, uh, did you like um, camouflages or something? Like, no, nope, sure you? didn't. <laughs> so did you just park it away from you. Yeah. So where I wanted to hunt, it was perfect. There's this nice peninsula, high rock like peninsula okay. that comes off of the North Shore, and it's it's got a perfect place to to duck the to hide the the bass boat. So I went there, and I'll, it's a short walk across. Like it's a super like kind of skinny 
peninsula too. So it's like, it's a short walk and up and down to like where I was going to hunt. But anyway, so I load up, I get out there. The problem is I only have like three, four foot Texas rig droppers on my floaters. And it was deeper than that. So I was like, oh crap, how's, what am I going to do now? So I'm like, well, I got my fishing line in here, pulled out one of my rods that has heavy duty braid on it. And I started cutting like four foot lengths, putting loops on both ends. And then, you know, rigged, I got to about seven decoys. I'm like, I can't, I'm not doing every single one of my decoys. This is ridiculous. We're going to see what seven decoys does today. <laughs> so, I mean, I kept telling myself like, well, you I know, have I've, had that today. I've called in birds before with no decoys. So you're telling me there's a chance. So that's what I did. I put my seven out. I went and yeah. dished the boat and they started rolling. I mean, they're, they're rolling right away all morning long, but nothing was coming down. So one caller, okay. and then I had so a what rando. region are you in? I'm in the extreme northern Minnesota. Like I'm, I'm an hour and from so the Canadian you got border. Both... Did you see any like last night or uh, any increase in geese in the area in the last couple of days, like prior to this good roll today? I did not because it's been really warm. You know, south winds, all that. I have not seen when I was out fishing. I have not seen new birds. There's actually hardly been any geese in the area. Like. I would say like three, four family groups at most. But I think some did move in maybe during the night because the first two big groups I heard were on the water and they got up and they boogied out. And, I mean, they those weren't family right. groups because they were all like, they were 35 plus strong. So it's like, okay, these are not, these aren't the family groups that I, that have been hanging around. These new birds must have came in at some point in time, whether yesterday or whenever, whenever they showed up. But they boogied out right away. But then it was just a steady stream of high flyers, big flocks. And uh, I had one many, solo How many come flocks in. would you say you saw? I would say I saw 22 flocks today. Actual, nice. like, migrator flocks. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good uh, man. I might have kind of got – it was 21 or 22. might have even been 23. I know I, once I got so far, I started kind of losing count a little bit. I didn't have, a, like, a scratch pad or anything, but I was kind of – Sometimes I would update my Snapchat or whatever, but I didn't do it like every single flock because that would get annoying. Right. Um, so anyways. That is one thing I have. In, I do enjoy counting migrator flocks on a migrator day. It just kind of like gives you a reference to think back to or look back to like, oh, on that one day you saw eight. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it kind of really started slowing down. But I had a, a single just come bombing in from nowhere who know like he didn't break out any flocks that i saw so he could have been a local could have been a lost puppy whatever totally whiffed on him i mean it, like ass shot him unfortunately like the first time but it wasn't able to clean him up and he got away i was like god damn it so i'm like well first shot of the year i guess we'll chalk it up to that and then i had um later had a, another random pair but i do think these were mics because they came in kind of high but from way south i didn't see them break off of any flocks but they they also surprised me so as i was fishing at the same time waiting for flocks because it's a good fishing spot where i was at too the thus the in your deeper boat. water I wasn't in the bass boat i was fishing from shore i brought brought rods out to where i was sitting <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> i hook up this nice crappie and i'm reeling it in i'm like oh there's another one else i'm just here i'm like oh crap i look and they're like locked up and i'm like i reel in do the big flip it the crappie flies in the bush. I throw the rod down. I boogie, and I, they kind of bust me because they're, like, locked up, and I run back, and all of a sudden they start flapping. But I duck down, 
my little makeshift blind there with basically just a bush, and I give them a few honks on the call, and they they just lock up again. So they come in. The one lands kind of far out, but in range, and I'm waiting for the second one because he was trailing quite a bit behind. He gets nice and nice and close, so I pop up. I shoot him, pull over to turn the yellow one up, and whiff twice on him. Actually, I whiffed three times. I was able to rack up another shell in there as he was trying to get up and over the trees that are on that peninsula part, and I still whiffed it. So I should have had three, only ended up with one, but I never truly broke down any of those migrators. So we talk like migrator strategies. Apparently apparently seven decoys and one caller is not a great recipe for success. (laughs) But you know what? There's something to be said about hunting a molt migrator day on a fl- in a flyover location like um it's important to remember that a lot of molt migrants are making their way to their natal birthplaces mm. so where are geese getting born that's where molt migrants are going when they're like one and two and three years old so they are flying over a lot of ground to get to their natal birthplace and i've i've hunted in areas that are good molt migrator areas and watched flocks just continue cruising past me and not giving a shit um in in an area where i have hunted successfully molt migrators and it's just like the wrong birds like these birds aren't coming to this area to stage these birds are going to an area obviously like further south like i feel like and i might be wrong because i'm just making this up um (laughs) never stopped us before But, like, birds get, like, let's not say it's their natal birthplace. Like, they're not going back to their old nest, but they're going to this area that their parents had showed them when they were young. So, like, it could be a 50-mile radius of area where they just know there's good food around in late summer. You know, the crops are coming down, and they just, they're going to come into this general area. So, like, they're not coming to a pinpoint location but they're coming to a staging area. And once, if you're hunting in that staging area, when those birds are arriving, dude, seven decoys is enough. Like, they are just getting into that staging area and then sounding off and looking for other geese. And when they find other geese, they are so willing to give it up. Like, they are so willing to give it up. Like you said, even with no decoys. Yeah. And, um, and, um, you know, I see a lot of on social media where guys are going out and they're hunting molt migrators with like a thousand decoys, which here's why that's not terrible. It's not a, a terrible idea. Number one, it's fun. You can get all of your boys out there and you can stake out all of your animal action figures and <laughs> exactly. you can get, just play with them. <laughs> you can just set them all out there, you know. But like when me and Phil Schmidt were um, really like kind of pioneering like molt migrator hunting in the Minnesota area, we never used more than 10 or 12 dozen Bigfoots. And that was absolutely plenty. And my personal best migrator day ever happened over 30 decoys. I was just, I just was in a good area. You know, I was in the staging, I was in that staging area when the birds that were coming to that staging area were arriving that morning or had previously arrived the day before or the night before. Cause I really smashed like a lot of lost puppies, not saying that I was like breaking down huge mic flocks, but I was smashing. That was like when, uh, that was back when they had a, a, a 10 bird limit in that three year experimental season. And oh, me yeah. and one other guy, we shot 19 geese like immediately. Sweet. Like 
it immediately. And then we went to work. <laughs> like we shot them so fast. Like we we called into work and like um, we shot 19 so fast. We just looked at each other and we're like, should we just call this hunt now instead of waiting around and like we can actually go to work and not have to take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of that was like one of my most like memorable migrator days. Well, and that was kind of what was going through my head today. Because, well, one is again, I wanted to see what happens up here, and I knew the first like hour, maybe even two. I had a, a slim chance of pulling anything down. Just I'm like, these things just left, man. These things like, they're they're trying to, you know, gain ground here. They don't want to go get up and get right back down. But then once I got kind of you know eight thirty nine o'clock, then I was like, all right, well some of these might be wanting to get down, and they just they just didn't care what I had to say. Uh, there was a few times I saw like a little four or five pack in the back of a V would kind of sort of break off and get my hopes up just for a little bit, but they would quickly rejoin. So I don't don't even know if they were actually interested or they just wandered out because they wander out sometimes. But And, like, I think what you did, too, is you went out today and you learned that when the weather hits right, you do have a chance of seeing migrants over wherever you were hunting, which yeah, is valuable sure. information. And just because you, you were dealing with geese that didn't want to break down today doesn't mean that, I mean, you, what, what, what I'm trying to say is you're on to something. And like, um, if we're talking about, like, if anybody's listening, they're like, God, this whole molt migrator thing sounds amazing. I really want to get into it, but I don't have a thousand decoys and I don't have uh, five good goose colors. Like I'm, the one, the one thing I try to convey to people who are novice molt migrator hunters is like, you don't need that stuff. What you need is the right day with the right birds and then be there be there when that happens like if you just have you know your neighbor will let you hunt in their backyard or you got a public lake nearby and you got 20 floaters send it and then talk to other people look look on social media like who is seeing molt migrators are other people seeing molt migrators and you're not like are you maybe not on the right line and you know like just gather information about like okay the next time this weather looks right the next time there's a cold front coming down in early or mid-September, is this a good option for me to go try? And you have to go out there and try. Um, and just because you don't think you have enough callers or enough decoys, that is absolutely not the case. Once you start to pick up valuable pieces of information, like this area gets a good molt migration, this area gets a good line of geese that are flying over it, that are, not only are a good line, but sometimes are, are, are very vulnerable in this area when they get to it, start narrowing your focus and, and, and be there when it happens, you know, like, yeah, um, I mean, I need... had the chance to kill yeah. three birds today. So, I mean, there's only two shy of my limit, right? That's not, I mean, that's pretty good. Um, for that's awesome. very little effort, really. I mean, outside of exactly. lung capacity, cause I'm calling my brains out, but and just looking at the weather. Dude, one time I had the same thing happen to me as you had where your anchors weren't long enough, except mine were long enough, but I was using V-boards, and it was a super windy day. Oh. So I was, like, setting up, I was setting up V-boards, setting up V-boards, like, not paying much attention, and then I look, and, like, there's, like, five V-boards just hauling oh, ass no. across the pond. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, dude. So then I have to – I'm in a Karsten pintail boat, which is the only boat I have. I'm in a Karsten pintail boat. I have to paddle down, go pick up these frickin' um, V-boards, which have made it almost damn near across the pond at this point, pack them up, put them into my pintail boat, paddle back into the wind, all the way back to my spread, which is, I can't remember how many, what I had at this point. It was like two Bigfoot floaters 
and one V board. Like it was like five decoys that I had left out in the pond. And I was like, I guess I'm hunting over this today. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, like that's the decoys that stuck. And that's the decoys like actually stuck in the weeds. And that's the decoys I'm hunting over. And I sat there and I would, was, I was seeing birds. I was calling at them. I wasn't having much luck. I broke off one single goose and it came screaming down into my little five pack of floaters right off the cattails. Bow! I cranked him. I said, that's it. I unloaded my gun. <laughs> I was like, I'm successful today. I'm done. Like this, this, it was a good effort. And I, well, I got a goose and now I'm calling it. <laughs> well, I should have <laughs> like, stuck it so, out. Like, a little bit longer because I've had there was two pickup flocks one like legit pickup block well not even I got just to my boat I'd put my gun away I was just kind of put my rods away doing all and all of a sudden I hear something like oh my god so I actually uncased my gun racked three shells and they ran up back to my hunting spot because decoys are still out and uh, hadn't even untied my boat from shore yet and uh, they just kept going they ignored me like all the other ones so I went back and then got everything packed up untied the boat was just getting around the right to the peak of that point and then here comes another flock it's like oh for heck's sake so on i i didn't uncase the gun this time but i called them just to see and they just kept going so and then when it picked up but there was also uh to be mentioned there's also a handful of, of teal around not many like maybe i don't know a dozen i think i saw and they never really got close to me for a pass shot but today was the last day of teal season here in minnesota so that would have been kind of cool uh, to get some bonus teal yeah but that would have been there was uh, plenty of wood ducks cool. and mallards flying, and mergansers flying around, but obviously they're not on the menu for today. But what I am interested in still, like even if I wouldn't have shot anything, I still it was still a success for me because I quite literally in my biggest draw wasn't to like pull the trigger today. It was like I wanted to see what happens in this part of the state with this weather pattern. You know, the first real exactly. good push weather wise you know like conditions for a migrator push and and we saw it and definitely saw it so what else is still interesting to me is that i know this area and this lake loads up with geese later like when i got here last year it was like late october early november and there was a lot of geese using the lake so i think at some point in time it starts kind of becoming a staging area and it might be for those not so much for like the molt migrators um because i think you're right i think they're headed for food and there really isn't any there's no ag up here so there's nothing to really form a couple hay fields i guess they could use if they wanted to but i don't i just don't think it's enough for to be a draw and going off of what you said if they're returning to like where they hatched there doesn't seem to be a, a really popular place for nesting geese up here i mean there, like i said there's three four families up here and i don't know if they just was a bad year for them or if that's average i won't know for you know a few seasons to see what the pattern is but i wonder if the ones that load up here load up here as like canada starts freezing you know they're those cold weather holdouts like they only move when they have to kind of a thing yeah and i'm starting to wonder if maybe that's you know i just they're the hardy geese that just don't want to migrate but kind of have to but at some point in time, right. this lake does load up. So that's going to be interesting, too, to see when exactly that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a uh, – on September 1st, on our, our opening day, I was able to shoot a few molt migrant uh, giant Canada geese. And God dang it, that was fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I was actually – I was hunting a duck field that had a lot of goose traffic. And the geese just 
didn't they I was not able to pull them like I thought I was I thought I would be able to and I just wasn't and but our saving grace was we had a nice push of migrants on September 1st I can't remember how many geese we shot I think it was 26 like and they were all molt migrants and they all like they, they were just and I, it, it was smaller flocks, like real small flocks between like one and four birds. And I, you, they just had that kill me look. Like as soon as I saw them coming out of the north, they had that, I would like to die. You know, it's <laughs> sure. just broadcasting it. They kind of are at that, they're at that height where they're, they're, you could tell they're searching for a place to go. And they're, they had that certain call, that, that sound that they project when they're looking for other geese. And as soon as I would hit them with that, with a, with a couple of clucks, they're just like, oh, here we are, perfect. This is what I was looking for. A pea field? God, I'm starving. <laughs> and they just would just buckle down and just come in. And, man, that is so freaking satisfying. Oh, like, well. And that... I, you know, so we ended, we ended up having a pretty decent duck shoot, and, they, uh, and then we got to kill some molt migrant giants on, that, on, our first, on my first round of the year. And I was, I was messaging the guys back in Minnesota, like I'm in the uh, Legends Outfitters group Snapchat, and I was like, Guys, I'm killing molt migrants today, and man, does it feel good! And man, it really molt migrant can't giant Canada goose molt migrator hunting is the most satisfying, um, enjoyable. Just like you said, like you said, how you had like zero work put into it. What work do you have to do to hunt molt migrants? Check your weather app. You know, like look at windy, and then be like, yeah, maybe I will take the boat and my 15 floaters over to that public lake. And I can call in for four hours or something to work tomorrow. Like, that's the work you have to put into it. And then you go out there and, like, once you get a taste of that success, like, yeah, I want more of this. I would like to actually have one of these, like, even if you hunt solo, like, you're not going to shoot 40, 50 birds in a day. Hopefully you wouldn't do that solo. But, like, right. you know, uh, if you just want to go out and experience, like, true amazing september canada goose hunting that doesn't involve you getting turned down on a dozen 30 bird feeds in a row um molt migrator hunting is just where it's at and i was so supremely jealous of what just happened down there today (laughs) it was pretty fun even though i didn't you know didn't i didn't get the show that you you know coming down from the heavens i didn't i didn't get that but it still was a lot of fun, and I agree. I was watching everybody else's Snapchats, and I mean, this is just smiles all around, right? Like it's just everybody's in a good mood today. But I don't know; it's, oh, it's gonna dude, be hard I'm... to top that one hunt that we had, where they were like hitting the ground and immediately feeding. You know, <laughs> we had that good mix oh, of locals yeah, and dude. migrators, dude. That day was pretty... that was a really st- yeah. We shot forty in a band that day, and the yeah. last bird of the day was a band. So there was only one shooter. We had one goose left. We had one guy who had his gun loaded because it was his bird, and then a single bombed in. I go, before you shoot that, let me check if it's banded. I put my binoculars on it. I was like, it's fucking banded. Do not miss. <laughs> and the guy actually walked up to it, because those birds that we were hunting that day, they were definitely coming to stage in that area, and they were starving. Oh, I've never seen anything like it. Like and when, when I say they immediately started eating, their feet touched down, and they didn't look around. They didn't fix their wings. Their feet hit. Their head went down and started eating, like, oh, immediately. Yeah. And I've seen that I've seen that a lot of times on migrator hunts. And then you get it where birds don't want to leave the spread as well, like, even on that hunt that we're just Yeah, we were all done after, picking up decoys. And, and there was, like, two or three geese that came in, and they're in the background of our photo. Yeah, yeah they would not leave. In fact, we chased them out like twice, and they just did a big loop and came right back. Yeah, so. and I've seen that before. Like, 
I mean, when these birds are pushing that far and they're pushing that hard, they are starving when they get here. And that that's part of the reason they're so vulnerable. And that's part of the reason I also lean maybe 60-40 towards hunting a field on a molt migrator day because I've seen that so many times where geese are very, very hungry. But that's not to say that uh, there isn't fantastic molt migrator hunts to be had over water because there definitely is. And there's also goose food in water. Yeah, so, and I just and I haven't really um, checked it. You know what was interesting is uh, I just got done cleaning that goose, and I cut the uh, gizzard open, and it was full of grass. So wherever they came from, they were feeding on grass. Right, and I mean, think about a molt migrator that's spending its summer up in the Arctic or subarctic. Um, by the time it gets to the agriculture, that's like literally the last five percent of its journey. So. 95% of its migration out of the Arctic, all it was eating was natural, yeah. natural foods out in the wild. It wasn't eating any, it wasn't eating any agricultural products. And it might be the first day that they are even seeing agricultural products or the first couple of days they're seeing agricultural products on their way down to their natal areas. Right. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty damn fun. I'd be, I wish I could do that again tomorrow just to see you know what's around for like lost puppies and that because just again watching snaps there is there is people still seeing birds at like 1 p.m so yes yeah and that's another thing too is there's there's good opportunities to hunt um for several days after a molt migration event uh you get what we what you just referred to as a lost puppy a good explanation for that is just it's not a my like you go out hunting on a migrator event or the day after a migrator event and the birds you're seeing aren't migrators, like they aren't coming in these out of the north, but they're coming from weird directions. They are, they have that, that same call, like that locator call, where they're looking for other birds to join, and they are extremely vulnerable. Like when I referenced that 19 bird hunt over 30 DSVs, that was one of my most memorable migrator hunts. That was primarily a lost puppy hunt. Hmm. And, and, and so hunts like that can be really good. And not only that, but I was, it's been a little bit since I updated myself, but I was checking the Windy app uh, to see the future of, you know, is this molt migration going to continue in the, in the next coming days? And I don't see any reason why it wouldn't, unless they all just kind of came in mass, but there should be a good trickle of birds coming. And remember, um, no wind is as good as Northwest winds. Like if, um, if, if the, forecast is calling for no wind like that's a good migrator day to hunt yeah actually i was tomorrow here it says light and variable so tomorrow yep yep i think and i i was looking yesterday i was looking at the forecast and i thought thursday might actually be the better day because the wind looked a little too high for today which it said it was going to be 25 which i've hunted several molt migrator days with over 20 mile an hour winds and haven't seen shit and then like so that led me to have an opinion where like less wind is better all the way down to zero like zero to eight seems to be a good sweet spot so when i was seeing the like uh 25 i was like geez i don't know and then i looked at thursday and it had like zero and i was like maybe thursday will actually be a better day but that was quickly proven wrong in my snapchat (laughs) Um, (laughs) well i I had guessed i kind of brought i brought that up i brought that up to to the legends outfitters group and they said yeah we're we don't have 25 mile an hour wind it's more like 12 to 14 yeah it was kind of teens it was gusting there was some pretty good gusts like i mean it was it was a pretty wet ride well one it was still raining a little bit this morning but like i was you know going into the waves so i was 
splash. And I wasn't ripping full speed, which would kind of keep me out of the waves in my, my bass boat, but because it's at night and there are hazards, and I'm trying to look at my map, but the screen even turned down to its lowest dim setting is still, like, blinding me. So I, I kept it pretty <laughs> slow. So, yeah, I was getting splashed over the gunnel quite a bit, but I had my rain stuff on, so it wasn't a, a big deal. But I kind of had that same thing when I was looking at the forecast. I was like, well, the wind's going to kind of be kind of high. But I also thought ah, they just have to because um, – it's the first real cold blast. It's been so hot for the last two weeks and right. then going to right. high of 58 today. Like, you know, went from 88 then, to 58. That, and then we had that full moon on August 30th, I think it was. So, yeah. like, that definitely was pushing birds down out of the Arctic when that full moon hit on August 30th. Like, that's just a good timing for that moon. And so I think they were just staged up and ready to drop into the lower 48 as soon as the conditions were right for it. And boy, were today today yeah. the conditions were right, and yeah, they, they were, were they were sitting at that starting line and ready to ready to drop in with that front. But it'll be real interesting to see what happens over the coming days. Um, maybe we can cover it a little bit in next week's uh, episode if you're listening to this. Um, oh, another good opportunity that the molts all arriving is you're going to be able to go out and find good feeds now. Finally, yeah. right? Yep. Like, yep. Yeah. So like now this is, should just give a nice fresh restock. Like if you are a guy that mostly hunts X field, go out and go look for some, although do not catch yourself scouting on a good molt, molt migrator day. I, that is the most sickening feeling. If you're like, I'm going to go <laughs> scouting today. And then you're just watching waves roll over your truck, and then you're going, "What the fuck am I doing? I need to be in a spread right now. I'm an idiot." Yeah, Which and I anything and anything too. you find that day is likely going to change tomorrow anyway. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah, just give her a couple. Just hunt molts, and then once that uh, that spigot turns off, start looking for these new birds that are arriving in your area and see if you can get on them because there's going to be fresh ones and yeah. they're going to be vulnerable, but. Tuesday. Hey, I gotta, uh, I gotta, I gotta hit the road, and I gotta get scouting here. All right, dude. Um, yeah. Well, one, one last quick thing is, uh, I was talking to my buddy Tony Testing. I just want to give him a shout out uh, on Tuesday, and he was like, "There ain't nothing around here," and I think he's in like the Champlain Anoka area. I'm like, "That'll change tomorrow," <laughs> and sure as shit, it <laughs> yeah. did. So, uh, anyways, yep. yeah. All right, dude. That was awesome. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. You want to give any shout outs? And what are we sponsored by this week? Dude, if you're trying to learn how to blow uh, your goose call better at these uh, molt migrators, check out the Goose Tech app. Just one piece in your arsenal of learning how to get better at blowing your goose call. Check out the Nick Johnson Signature Series Goose Call from Pacific Calls. And um, that's all I can think of. Perfect. All right, get out there and kill some birds. Go out there and kill some birds, guys. That's a great piece of advice. Later, dude. <laughs> Bye.